Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. And I think sometimes, oh, thank you. No, you're good. And that, I think sometimes that is due to lack of fruit. I know for me, there's been plenty of times um, where I've shared the gospel and man, it's like, oh, nothing. Oh, nothing. Whereas just sometimes you question like, man, does this five minute presentation really work? And maybe these are just my wicked unbelief thoughts, but I, I, would, I would dare to say that we have these thoughts as, as collectively as Christians. Um, um, so yeah, so I believe, and so today the, the faith proposition is that I believe the gospel still has powers and our Bibles can still have a focus. And I think that's what's missing. It's a focus. And so today I, I will call us to refocus on what we do in our daily lives. And this is the question I want you to answer by the end of this breakout session for you personally. Am I going to have a Bible study with a lost person? And if so, with who? Am I going to have a Bible study with a lost person? And who are you going to ask? I think those are very simple questions, but those are hard questions, right? And you're probably already thinking names. You know, that person at all these or your friend. And you maybe you just never asked them to study the Bible with you. But that is the goal that after today, you would have handles to know how to navigate a Bible study with that person. That sound good, guys? Um, so let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, I just want to, I'm just so humbled, Lord. Um, I'm just so thankful. God, I'm so um, honored uh, to be up here. And yet, Lord, it's so much more honoring to have your word in our hands. It's so much more special and precious, Lord, to have your book in our, in our hearts and our lives. And so, God, I just pray for an anointing on, on this message, Lord. I pray that we would be willing to hear and receive um, a simple curriculum. And God, as we get into it, that it would be um, something that we could take home with us, Lord. God, that's something that we would be able to give testimony to you about how you used a tool to see souls saved and, and believers edified. And so, God, please be with our time. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, welcome in, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Your testimony was great. Thank you. Dude. Uh, let's get them some notes. There's some in the back right there. Okay, so... When Miles covered, we're very scholarly here, um, but Miles spoke on methodology. That's like a four-syllable word, methodology. Yeah, five. Um, what we're going to speak on today is curriculum, right? It's like algebra, geometry, like it's curriculum, right? It has, if you think about um, a curriculum, it's a set piece of instruction. Uh, a curriculum is the what to what Miles talked about. He talked about how really discovery Bible method or the exposition of a Bible study can be done from anywhere. And so please like do it from anywhere. But this is to give you handles on a curriculum or a set of scripture um, to go through. You actually have that curriculum in your hands, I believe. You guys have it? It's, it's thicker than your finger. You guys got it? Okay. And then I realize I will be running the slides. There we go. Sure. Thanks. All right. So the curriculum is right there. Um, and you can look at it right now if you like. Um, but the curriculum is a set of passages curated to take the lost person for, from the beginning of creation to what Christ did for humanity. The range in which you can do this um, is in a quick one sit-down meeting to however long person, to however long a person will sit with you and read the Bible. But really, the purpose of this curriculum is for a, to show the lost a contextualized gospel. Whether you share the gospel in five minutes on the street through a Bible study, the goal is that you give a full gospel presentation. This study covers major passages that do. We'll practically get into the study later on, but on your handout, I have listed the pillars of creation of Christ. So at this point, you can take the big packet and just look through the table of contents real quick. And you'll see, I think, five different sections, and I believe with three Bible studies in each one of the sections. So those are the following. It starts with creation in the fall. And really, if we're meeting 
the lost where they're at, we're going to meet them with the questions they have. So that's why we start at the beginning of the Bible, the creation and the fall. It answers major questions like, why am I here? Like, why am I created, right? Who is God? Like, how, you tell me there's a God. Does the Bible say that? Um, which sounds silly, right? But th these are real. Uh, to the fall, it answers, why do Christians think people are sinners? Like, that's a very condemning view with no context. Um, then it moves to the Israelites and the law, where it answers, am I a good person? You know, what is God's standard that he likes to keep? Then we see the sacrifices to show God has a specific way to deal with sins. You know, you read the Levitical law, and it's like, okay, that's specific. You know, God is a very specific God. God has a very specific order to deal with our wrongdoings. And then we go to the deliverer. They're having more fun. Women in missions, guys. Good times. Uh, the deliverer, to show that God has plan of salvation isn't on a whim, but spoken of through his word. And then we get into Jesus in his earthly ministry and who he was and who he said he was, what he did. To answer the question, who really is Jesus Christ, right? Who is he? And finally, we finish with what we know as the gospel, which answers what must I do to be saved? I call these the pillars to the study, but they can be longer or shorter. There's not really a special formula for these passages besides the fact that they point to the gospel. And it's a gospel train in that matter. The main effort of this Bible study isn't specifically how we chose the passages, like I said, but instead it is a gospel-centered Bible study. Remember when I said, hey, sometimes Bible study doesn't have a goal? Now we do. Now we have a goal that every time you meet up, it is a gospel presentation. And even if they don't accept it, the next Bible study will be. And the next one. And it's a logical process to get to the gospel from the beginning of the Bible to the lost. I love it. Um, this heart is to not simply share the gospel in one quick sitting, but instead peeled back the onion of questions that the lost already have. I remember uh, one time, man, I am so proud, but I gave, I thought I gave the best gospel presentation. It just felt good. You know, when you're like the verses are the juices are flowing and you're like, and this, and that, and this, and I was at work and this person's, I think they were going to the bathroom. So I am the worst, like I am the worst guy. I was holding them from, you know, going. Um, and after 20 minutes, I was like, like they, they understood and they were shaking their head. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So like, I, I even said, do you like that? <laughs> And, and they were like, well, I just don't understand why you think the Bible's authoritative. And it like clicked with me. I was answering, I was giving them answers for a question they weren't asking. See, I had presumed on that person that they thought the Bible, that they thought the same about the Bible that I did. And it's like, huh, I should have maybe not started there. Maybe I should have asked what they think about Jesus or what they think the Bible says about Jesus. But you see how sometimes we give answers to questions people don't have. And, you know, it's, it's hard uh, because you see that, um, and that's why we have the study, but I want to talk now with, with, um, to why creation of Christ. Some, might, some of you might be looking at the passage or the packet and be like, I have to wait a year <laughs> to share the gospel. And that's not the point of this. This is just handles. Um, but let me answer the question of why share the gospel through a Bible study. Um, so let's go to Romans 10 through 17. It says here, uh, sorry, Romans 10, 13 through 17. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they hear on whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed the report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So here's our first key point. Exposure to the word of God is how the lost get saved. And we see that in Romans 10, 17, right? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That is biblical faith. And it must come from hearing the word of God. When a person gets saved, it's because they are being saved on the message of the gospel found in the Bible. First Peter 1.23 says, Being born 
again, not of corruptible seed, but of uncorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You know, and this is something I found during, uh, through during Bible study with the laws. It is the more exposure to the word of God gives them a greater chance to believe the word of God and grow in learning God's loving character. The Bible is a big book. God is a big God. The more we can expose the lost to his character. I mean, consider the times, consider the answered prayers, consider that time you read in the word and he, he just showed you things. He showed you the light, how his light gives understanding to the simple. Man, it, the lost don't have any of that. They don't have an ounce of light. Isn't that crazy? And so why we do this, is to, it's a key point, it's the exposure to the word of God. That's how people get saved. And is this a statistic game? It's like if you do it a hundred times, it just automatically happens? No, it's because the Bible says so. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. So the promise of scripture is that you share it, he will speak. You share it, you speak it, he will say it. So then our responsibility is to make the word of God known to man. And a way to do that is to start where God starts, which is the beginning, right? And get to where God gets to, which is Christ his son. When God speaks, his word does not return void. And because it doesn't return void, they're powerful enough to break through man's heart. The word of God is the agent in which faith is created and activated unto salvation. You see in Romans 10, 17, again, that it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Anyone guess uh, how the word hearing is first translated in the New Testament? That word hearing? Think about, uh, why did I think Britney Spears? Or who's Kelsey Mahomes? Taylor Swift. What's similar between them? Okay, they're famous. <laughs> they're famous. And actually, in Matthew 4.24, that word hearing is translated to fame. And it's talking about Jesus with the lost. And his fame went through all Syria. So if you put those two things together, faith cometh by making him famous. Faith cometh by making him know. You could say it is by making God famous to the lost to make him known. To show them who he is. To show him his character to help them see the totality of his love. So then our jobs, right, as preachers, because that's what Romans 10 says, is simply to make him known. And the better we are able to make him known, the, far, the further the gospel will go. So from this passage, we see that the Bible is also asking us questions. It was a series of questions, right? As Paul speaks to the Roman church, he makes mention how men will be saved, but how will they be saved unless, so, you know, unless someone hears of his name? And how will they hear of his name unless he is preached? And how, they can press, how can they profess him as Lord if they haven't believed? And so this isn't a letter to leadership. And this is what I want to stress. But young men and women who have recently been saved. So this is to us. And so here's a second key point. Creation of Christ is a tool for all believers to share the gospel. Creation of Christ is a tool for believers to share the gospel. I love fixing things. Well, my wife loves to tell me to fix things. It's subtle change, but um, there's a lot of things to fix, and I usually don't have the tools. And Harbor Freight is cheap, but it's not cheap enough for me. So, like, if, if I can do it with a screwdriver, I will do it with a screwdriver. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes um, it takes longer. It's more difficult when you don't have the right tool, right? And so that's why we're talking about this today is because creation of Christ is a tool. So why do we need this tool? Well, we need creation of Christ because truly the world is transactional today. We need creation of Christ because truly the word is transactional. And unfortunately, confrontational evangelism has that little bit of a downfall that it looks transactional. Man, I, I, I've been, um, it's funny, I've never actually been preached the gospel to by a Christian. It's been other religions. Um, in other religions, it's transactional. It's do this for that, do this for, like, you know, give, give me a little bit of your time and, you know, I'll show you the way. And it's like, man, sometimes I just feel like I'm, I'm being taken advantage of in that five-minute gap, right? And that's not, that's not the Bible's fault. That's not the gospel's fault. That is the world. That is the culture we live in. It is transactional. People already assume the worst of us, unfortunately. And you don't got to even open your mouth, you know? If someone's coming up to you, you're just like, you're ready. You're like, what's up? <laughs> you know, it's... It, it's like that. Uh, people think you want to bait and switch them with the sales pitch, and they're not going to buy it, right? And so caveat to all this, it is only by prayer that doors and hearts are softened. 
So I'm not saying a curriculum or a method is going to solve this. But gosh darn it, we got to come prepared with tools, right? We got we to gotta try different things. We got to try the best that we can by God's grace to give them the gospel. So here's another tool in your tool belt. Ecclesiastes 12.10 says, the preacher, us, sought to find out acceptable words. And that which was written was upright, even words of truth. So we do this curriculum to focus on meeting the lost with the questions they have. So then how do we do this? So we do this by showing them Jesus in every part of scripture and answering the questions they have of the gospel with the gospel itself. Now you might be thinking, where'd you get this, right? And it's, it's in the Bible. It's always in the Bible. But um, if we go to Acts 8, we actually see the, uh, the biblical model for this. Any questions so far? All right, all right, cool. So Acts 8 is an amazing work, book on evangelism. Um, it's right after the persecution of the church, which is interesting. Uh, but Philip is a chosen man, right? Full of the Holy Ghost is how the Bible describes him. And you see that he does confrontational evangelism. And let me tell you, it works. That's a beautiful thing. Verse 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. By verse 8, the whole city rejoices. Dang, it works. So here we have uh, Philip preaching Christ to the city of Samaria. And we see he was confrontational. He shared the message and he won many to Christ. Not only this, this dude was a bulldog. He, he would not stop. So you see verse 25. Um, and they, speaking of Philip, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. The dude keeps going. He comes back to home base. He goes to church and he goes back out and he preaches more and he gains more. And look, if this is the only model the Bible gave us, we'd be rich because Philip wants cities, cities. Um, and so I, 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 would, I would just follow this all the day long. But then you see something really interesting. You see Philip get called to the desert. It's like being at church on Sunday and being called to Walmart. Like, it's like, it's like, what are you doing, Lord? Like, God didn't tell him why he was going to go to the desert. But this is where we see the most pronounced modes of creation of Christ Bible study. So we see he gets told to go to the desert. The, the Spirit tells him to go. And let's pick it up at Acts 8.30. And Philip ran thither to him and heard, the prophet, and heard him read, read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understoodest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Key point three, exposure to the word of God must preach Jesus Christ. Exposure to the word of God must preach Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful how it ended? It's they began at the same scripture. They didn't begin at the Romans road. They began at the same scripture in the Old Testament from Isaiah 53 and pointed to Christ on the cross. Wow, that is amazing. So exposure to the word of God, creation of Christ, preaches Jesus Christ out of that passage. See, he didn't ask his, his buddy John for what he wrote on March 16th. We get it, John 3.16. He didn't. Sorry, guys, I, I'm working on this. Just catch me when I'm saying sage, okay? I'll get better. But he didn't ask for a single verse. He didn't, he didn't go take him to church, right? He said, let me show you from the same place you're reading how I can see Jesus. And that's creation of Christ. Actually, Isaiah 53 is one of the lessons in creation of Christ. He sits with them and he, does, he lets the scripture do the pointing, not from his logic or commentary, but in the word of God, he points to Christ. And creation of Christ is built in a similar fashion. Imagine, imagine um, the conversation Philip and Eunuch had. They read, they read Isaiah 53, verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, 
a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid it as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Imagine like the eunuch just asking like, hey, why does, why does verse three say he's despised? Like this is the Messiah. Like, isn't that weird? And now, now imagine a lost person asking you that. Man, I see churches all over the place. I thought, why does the Bible say Jesus is despised? Isn't that weird? And man, imagine Philip from the garden to his, his brother Stephen, who just got stoned. He would have preached how every prophet, including the Messiah, has been rejected. And how you can preach that. How you can preach from the garden all the way to your own salvation, to what Christ did on the cross, he's been rejected. Man, that's the, that's the genius of creation of Christ. So we see this in other places modeled. Uh, you can read for yourself uh, Luke 24, the road to Emmaus. That's an, an awesome passage. That's homework, but not, not really homework. It's if you have uh, a lot of time. But actually, we're going to transition that transition to the more practical side of this. And we'll start with the benefits. Um, so now we'll transition to the benefits. I actually went on a mission trip to um, Nairobi, Kenya. I almost said it backwards. And they are a young church. There's no pastor there. We're praying for a man of God to take on that field. And they're about a year old. Started as a Bible study, actually. Um, and my pastors saw it fit for me to teach them creation of Christ. And you would think, man, these young believers do not need a curriculum right now. But man, while we were over there, we got to see people get saved through these Bible studies. And it was just as easy. I mean, I remember one time we woke up late. Like, we are the worst missions team, I swear, this year. We woke up late, and it's 11 o'clock, and we're like, evangelism. And we're all just down, down on ourselves. Like, man, we started late. People are already at work. And so the ladies got full of faith, and they're like, man, we should, let's just go ask people to have a Bible study. A girl that day got saved going to creation of Christ. That girl then came to church on Sunday and brought her friend. Man, it's just, it's just rich. And so now we're going to show... Um, a young believer, his testimony um, about creation of Christ in Africa. Hit the script. Oh, oh, I didn't do any of this. Hey, hold on just a second. All right. So quickly for the notes sakes and for your guys' sakes, um, I just get excited talking about Nairobi. Uh, actually, we'll, we'll do these after the testimonies. This is a good break. So jump to the testimonies. All right. So this is Ken, and he's from Nairobi. So I went on the same trip with uh, Alvaro, and um, so he shared about one of the, girl that's, the girls that got saved, and um, I think it was actually like two days later that it was kind of like a similar day where like everyone was like, at least I was feeling really down and like unproductive and unfruitful, and um, I remember just like, like praying and being like, God, I don't feel like I can do anything like I feel useless I don't feel like I should be on this trip and um but I just was like but you're God and before the trip I was reading a verse that said like um like twice have I heard this once has Lord spoken twice have I heard this that power belongs unto, unto the Lord and I was like okay power belongs to you so you can use me and um we um a few days earlier, we had talked to one of the ladies in the church named Salome, and she was really burdened for her niece um, who was lost. And um, through that, we ended up meeting her niece, um, asking her if she wanted to do a Bible study, and she was interested. Um, and so we we just like showed her this like packet, this curriculum, and we asked her like, "Is there anything here that like stands out to you that you might be interested in studying?" And it was one of the prophecies in Isaiah about God healing the brokenhearted. Um, and so, yeah, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so she heard the word of God. And that day she gave her life to the Lord. Um, and so there's a few things that like God taught me from that. And one of them was that like God uses really weak people who don't feel qualified, who feel useless um, when they put their trust in him. Um, and that gives glory to him. Um, and then another thing is that like there are people out there that actually are interested. Usually I can think that people aren't interested. Um, but like you have to like cast a net to see that there are fish out there. You can't just wait for them to swim up to your boat. Um so yeah, learning to fish, you have to cast a net and use the Bible as bait. It's not deceptive. You're just like 
that's what works. You use the Bible. Um, and then also that you can ask for help um, investing people that you're burdened for. Um, so Salome, she had been burdened for a niece for a while, um, but she had the opportunity to like invite us um, to like labor with her. And that like, like nothing else that helps you yoke yourself with other believers because you're laboring together. Um, and it's such a, a blessing. Um, so ask for help, like ask your friend to like invest in your lost friend with you. Um, and yeah, there was a verse that I was reminded of um, in Luke 5, 7, it says they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. So you cast your net and there's fish, um, but you might need help bringing all those fish in. So beckon to your partners to help you. Um, and then the last thing is that, um, so uh, Salome's niece, she saw this prophecy in the Bible about the brokenhearted. And she was moved by that. So she saw herself in the word of God. Um, so the lost are moved when they see that God's word uh, is accessible to them and that it relates to them, it's relevant to them. Um, so the Bible is for everyone and people like are drawn to that. So just use the word of God, hide behind it. And yeah, I hope that encourages you, but that's it. That was great. That was awesome. All right, so, I mean, I don't know if I even have to give you guys the points, but um, yeah, I mean, there is benefits and I will break it to two sides. So the benefits for the believer is it helps believers see Christ in every passage. So this thick packet is different passages, but in every passage is Christ. Um, and this is benefits because like you heard Ken say, it builds confidence to share from any passage. Right. If you can see Christ in Genesis one twenty seven, then you can preach his preeminence. If you see Christ's love and him giving us a free will to choose, then you'll preach how love comes down to an individual's choice. Um, the benefits, uh, the second benefit is that it helps believers give a contextual gospel, a gospel that is comprehensive as the Bible lays it out. They can start answering the whys. Why is why is why am I a sinner? Why is it automatic that I go to hell? Uh, why did the death of Jesus solve that, right? The Bible starts thinking to the place that they haven't to in a while, and that is their own salvation. And being challenged in our beliefs that possibly for months or years you just come to accept, but now need to be thought of for the lost sake. The, the third benefit is that it is a good for mixed audience and Bible study. I remember um, when I first started, I was like, whoa, like these are, these are basic, right? Like these are, you know, like you think like that. But man, it is good because the, the word of God is like a, I think C.S. Lewis or Charles Spurgeon, one of the two said, it's like an ocean that you can float on and as steep as a sea that you can never touch the bottom of. It's as, it's as, you know, it's just as good for the babe as it is for the mature. Um, so you will be able to participate. The lost will be able to participate. Some people will just ask questions about comprehension. Others will, will, will be switching and pulling words and cross-references, um, but no matter where you're at, we found that this curriculum helps a mixed Bible study. Now, benefits for the lost, uh, duh, they get, the, they get the gospel. Like, that is the clearest benefit. Um, but from the perspective, at least from the lost, it helps them see that from the pl uh, same place of Scripture, God's character. You know, a lost person told me that one time was that the thing keeping them from getting saved, and this is lost, right? So, with grain of salt was they didn't understand their sin and they didn't understand God's love. That's after they got saved. They just didn't understand God's full character. So they were scared of him. So this helps the, the loss um, learn God's character. He's intentional, right? In creation, he's intentional. He loves without condition. Um, benefit from the perspective of the loss too. It shows to the lost that the Bible has the answers, not that leaders but the Bible, but man, it's, it's so awesome to see, you know, even in confrontational evangelism, this is still a choice. Um, it's still an option, but you can almost become that authority when you are evangelizing just in a quick setting. But as you do Bible studies, you actually show that the Bible has the answer, not you. Benefit from the perspective of the lost three, they will see the Bible as a living book. Just like Joyce said, you can imagine, you know, um, you can imagine this, you go to an English club for the nerds, or you go to a football club, I don't know if that's a thing, um, 
but you're sitting there and you know when you see people who are just on fire about what they what they love and they just talk about it and you just it's like you don't care like but but it's like they're just raving about it that's that's what you want the loss to see when you have bible study it's like oh man look at god's character here and look what he says here and it's he's so beautiful so from their perspective they see the bible as a living book because it answers the questions for you your life questions right they're, you're comparing reference to references thoughts upon thoughts um, and it just shows that you care about it and it will transform you and you care about it because it has transformed you um, and so now we're going to get into the big stretch of this which is the packet all right so you guys ready to have bible study i probably you're like eh. <laughs> let me get the packet I, I, we don't have packets they ran out so not everyone has a packet not everyone has a packet either uh, unless you have more Mm-hmm. All from the back to who doesn't have a packet? Okay, great. Is it online anymore? Yeah, lffellowship.com. Can you just put it on the slide real quick? I don't think the QR code got in there. Or actually you can you guys can just pull it up. So if you go to lffellowship.com. No, it's okay. You just go to a different tab on Google Chrome. Dot com slash C to the number C. And if you don't have the packet, this works for you guys too. LFFellowship.com slash C2C. You slide it over to the right. There you go. Perfect. Thank you guys. All right. So you guys can all, can you guys all see that okay? Okay. And again, if you want the link, it's lffellowship.com slash C2C. So it's a 16 week curriculum. So this is something you can do if you are in a college town um, during the, the semesters. I, I don't know how many weeks are on the semester, but close enough. So go to second page. There you go. So you see, um, and we'll we'll just walk through it and then we'll walk through one together, okay? Because I want you guys to see just how it breaks out. So we talked about section one, creation in the fall. And so you see God as the creator, right? God as relational towards man, and then that relationship being broken by mankind's sin. So it, and this is going to sound really familiar because this is just the gospel in Bible study form, right? This is what you would preach. Um, the Israelites and the law. So you see God's deliverance. So here your focus is on the character of God. His, one of his main attributes is that he delivers his people. It's all over the OT. God's commandments, so his standards. And then the sin offering, how he deals with those that are out of standard or have sinned. Section three is the deliverer. So you see God's promises, how he was promised a Messiah for the solution, the ultimate solution of sin, God's atonement in Isaiah 53, what that solution would look like, and God's hope, what that solution would mean. Um, with a, There's additional messianic, 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 messianic prophecies. Jesus in his earthly ministry, you see Jesus is born. Um, this is great, especially walking through with someone who's Catholic or has a different perspective on that. Uh, week 11 is Jesus relates to us. So specifically in trial, you see, you see Jesus get tempted, and oh my gosh, this speaks to the lost and to, to me. Um, week 12, Jesus does miracles. So it's not just, I mean, we're not talking about a man, we're talking about God. Section 5, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So in week 13, you covered Jesus is betrayed. Week 14, Jesus is crucified. And the power of his resurrection, week 16. Now again, this doesn't have to be this long right you can pick just one to portray the whole section so if i really want to talk about um mankind's sin i could i could sum up what week one and week two talk about um and so forth so let's go to the next page this is the introduction and the model is really just come and see so let's keep going you guys can read that later okay so this is how and we're going to walk through the layout of genesis 1 so week one, God creates. 
So every single session will start with some key thoughts. And you'll notice that uh, the background questions you might consider asking before you begin, so this is for you to have a Bible study, is what do you know about creation according to the Bible? You know, and you might get a lot of different answers varying that. Um, the second question is, what do you know or believe about God's character, right? Because um, those two things go together. So then this packet is really for your own personal study. It's not to have the Bible study with the lost. So that's a big distinction. This is like you just preparing yourself. And then when you come to the Bible study, just have the Bible out, focus on it. Um, so then when you go into Genesis 1, you read together, and then you would chunk out um, the passage. You look for patterns in Genesis 1 through um, Genesis 1, 1 through 25. So you guys learned what chunking a passage looks like. It's just whenever there's a break contextually or there's a theme change, you just say that's a chunk. And that's a chunk. Um, it's awesome um, because there's a lot in Genesis 1 that we're not going to cover right now. Uh, but go to the next page. And so as you've learned a discovery bowel method, you know, that, that butter chicken we talked about, you boil it down to establish a general theme, right? So this is something that you would have for yourself is what is the theme of this passage? What are you trying to specifically communicate to the lost person from this chapter. And then at the end of each section, you'll see that um, there is a, rela a relation between um, passage and Christ. So how, wh where do I see Christ? Because that's creation of Christ. Where do I see Christ in the passage? Well, we see one um, characteristics about God is that he is a God of order, not a God of chaos. And you could I mean, this is something you can study out for yourself. First Corinthians, I think, 14.33 talks about this. He's a God of morality. So you see there's specific moral things he talks about. Not a God who changes, right? He's a God of absolute. He is a God of life. Verse 20, I would say that in, even in verse 1 and 2. He's not a God of death. He is a God of intentionality. He gives specific commands to his creation. Uh, verse 28. And he's not a God of indifference. He's not the God that just made everything and just disappeared. He is a God of power. And it was so when he speaks, things happen. And he is not a God of weakness, right? There was no, no wiggle room. And he is a God of relationship. And you see that with his relationship with man. But he, and he is not a God of separation. You could say you see that in verse 2 even. Um, and so at the end of each section, you'll also have questions that help you. You want to think about this, your own questions that the Lord gave you, but here are some questions. How did these attributes compare to what you believe about God? So these are questions for the lost person that you're taking it through. Which one of these are hardest for you to believe, right? And why do you think that is? Which one of these do you think is the most important? So you guys see how this specific Bible study points them to Christ and then points them specifically to their position with the gospel. So it's not just head knowledge, but you're actually making a point. And so we'll actually, um, I'll pretend Bible study by myself. It's the loneliest Bible study I've ever had right now. Um, but let's go back to the slides and we'll see how this plays out. Any questions? I mean, this is a great pausing point. Any questions on this? Okay. And so this next section, we're going to focus on practical tips because I want to give you guys like a, just a rundown of what that first chunk would look like. Um, so, you know, you got the coffee, you got the, the cookie crumbles, you know, you're in a cute space for all the men, right? Like tires, you know, oil sitting out, you know, real beefy, you know, got your hands dirty, ready to work. Um, but you, you go through the passage and we're just going to cover how it looked like in the first few verses. So you would ask the people, hey. Uh, let's go ahead and just read um, Genesis 1, 1 through 4. That's where I see the cleanest part, uh, cleanest break. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. So you're reading this passage right out loud. You're going around the room. Um, 
And really what you want to first start with in this packet when you're having that conversation is comprehension of the package. Um, so you're, as you're reading it, you're writing down notes that stick out to you, right? Things that like, okay, it, it's clear that um, God just, the Bible just says God exists. Like it, he just comes up in the very first verse, right? Um, it's clear that the first thing he spoke was slight. Okay, I'm writing down notes as you go through this Bible study. Okay, um, it's weird that in verse two, it's opposite. There's darkness and void. Okay. And so then you're just writing down notes because you're, you're walking through the passage with the person, right? You're not just coming to teach. And so here, our first practical tip one is focus on what the passage is saying and not what we think it is saying. That's a very key point. Ask for comprehension. What is it saying? Because this is what will happen. You'll be, um, and sorry if I'm in the way, you'll, you'll be there and you'll say, well, you know, I think the, the earth was built in a, uh, five billion years, someone will say. The, the other person's like, well, no, it's 6,000 years old, you know, and like God can make Adam look like a 33-year-old human when he created him. It's like you can get into all these rabbit holes, but what you want to focus on is what is the Bible saying? That is the power. Okay, so you start with, okay, what does that look like? Well, it's saying that God created things. That's what I just read, like God created things. That's what it said. Um, and then you would tell that person, that's a great observation. Everyone, let's write down, God creates things. Okay. Um, someone says, well, the first thing that he said was that he spoke light. Okay. He speaks light. Let's write that down. And so once you get to the place, once you get past simple comprehension, uh, people start understanding this speaking of creation. And this might seem rudimentary, but it's really important. Because then you start asking if there's words that stick out, that add to the theme of creation. You also want to be prepared yourself if things that come up that can point to the teachings, can point the teachings to the passage to Christ. Um, some might say, hey, isn't it interesting um, that the first words are about light? Like I never even knew Bible talked about light, you know? And someone who's just not even thinking about it might say, yeah, Jesus is the light of the world. Just like, you know, simple statements like that. And you can take statements like that in a passage like this and say, okay. Well, show me where the Bible says that. And so real quickly, you can do it right now. Look up light of the world in your concordance. It's in the Bible. It's awesome. And it shows up in John 8, 12. So you, you would take a pause right there and you say, okay, uh, Quentin, by the way, I've never made, met a saved Quentin. Have, have, have you guys ever made, met a saved Quentin? Quentins don't come to Christ. We need Quentin. I'm saying Quentin. Like, are you, is anyone a Quentin in here? Uh, a name. <laughs> we need more Quintins in the church. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so Quentin, he says, okay, let me look at let me look at the Bible, man. And so he types in, I'm the light of the world. So he would look at John 8, 12, which is a second mention. And it says, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Whoa. Verse, uh, the third mention says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And this is Jesus speaking. So this is a quick comment that happened in Bible study, right? But then you would be able to, to talk on that. And you could, you know, ask to bounce ideas back and forth. But ultimately, you come to the position where Jesus proclaims to be the light of the world. Isn't it crazy that Jesus says that he is the only one that can bring light and, and is the bringer of light to those that follow him? See, even if the statement isn't this statement isn't something that you made up, it's written there. So that's what you want to do. And this is our second practical tip. You want to use word studies and cross-references to relate, relate the passage to Jesus Christ. You want your Bible study in creation to Christ to see how the New Testament compares to the Old Testament and how we can see Christ from the beginning of the creation all the way until he was here on earth. And, and so this is really important, too. When you're in that place of cross-referencing, you're seeing the word come to life. You see that Jesus is the bringer of light. You always want to bring that back to where you're reading. Okay, well, what does this mean? Let's go back to Genesis 1. And so then you'd read verse 2 where it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And by verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Man, and, and at this point, 
you could just make some simple application, right? You could share how there was darkness, but what God did was speak light. Simple point. It's not deep. And then someone might be able to say, you know what? That sounds like a lot of like my life. I was in darkness until I came to the light, until I met Jesus Christ. And it's just amazing. And this is only an example of what could happen during the study. But as the leader or the one establishing the study, you want to make sure you guide people to the major ideas in the passage. You know, it's, um, and it really depends on the study. There might be times where like someone wants to go really deep because like we could have gone into the gap fact. You guys heard about the gap fact. And so you could, you could do that. But what's the point of this Bible study again? Share the gospel. So sometimes you just don't need to do that, you know, and especially when you're learning material. It's like, I just want to share that. But it's like, hey, just be gentle, be ready to just share the gospel with what God gives you. And you might think, well, this sounds like an uh, irrelevant point, but you can use verses to connect the points back to the main subjects. So someone brought up John 1.4, let's say, Quentin again. Quentin's like, man, doesn't it say in John 1.4, what's it say? It says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Isn't that interesting? There you go. Jesus being the light of men again. And you can be like, Quentin, please slow down, Quentin. Let's read the whole context of John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. So you could say right there, Quentin, I know you brought up how cross-referencing John 1.14, we know this is a Jesus. But when the passage says that the word, the person Jesus, was in the beginning, uh, and not only with God, but was God, can you show me from the scriptures, Quentin, where, where you see this? And right there, you just brought it back to the main passage, the main point, which is Jesus Christ in the beginning. And so everyone's thinking, everyone's thinking, how, do, how does the Bible say that Jesus is in Genesis 1? Like, that's a big deal. I don't see Jesus in Genesis 1. I don't see his name there. But how do we know that he's there? Right? And so then at this point, you just use the Bible to affirm the points of the Bible. You would look at Colossians 1, uh, verse 17, for his preeminence. Um, it says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible where they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. And so then, so then you bring these things up. You, see, you share more verses about how Christ is there. You would actually look at Genesis 1.26 and share how it says there, and God said, let us make man in our image. That's crazy. It's plural. And it, like, like these are things we know and we might have heard, but a lost person never caught that in the Bible. So you want to be clear with those things. It's like, isn't it interesting? The Bible immediately in the very first chapter says us, speaking of his son. And we see that corroborated in John 1. And Quentin brought up Colossians 1.16. Wow. Okay. So now we have a point. Jesus Christ is preeminent. Jesus Christ is in Genesis 1. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that he can be Lord. Right? So here's a practical tip three. Help connect the doctrine or teaching to the individual standing with the gospel. Help connect the doctrine to the individual's standing with the gospel. Quentin, is he your Lord? Quentin? I don't think so, Quentin. Not the way you're living. But you see, like, you're, you're, I'm sorry. I want to meet a Quentin. It's, it's, it's my heart's desire. I haven't met one yet, but um, I'm being silly. But really, you take that, that point, because sometimes we make points, and as Christians, we're like, that's good. But it's only good because you got the Spirit in you. The, the last people, people are just like, cool, you see Christ in Genesis 1.26, nerd, right? But what you want to say, it's like, man, Christ is so good. He is there. Christ is preeminent. He is Lord. I can trust him from Genesis 1. He is orderly. He is loving. Man, it's so cool. And then you make the application. Well, yeah, is he our Lord? Do we treat him with that preeminence? Is he first in our lives, believers and lost person? 
So you always want to bring it back to the individual standing with the gospel. All right. Uh, does this make sense so far? All right. Good job. Any questions so far? Okay. So let's go to, let's go to the, um, I'm sorry, I want to make you flip back and forth, um, the packet again, and let's go to a hard one. Let's go to Leviticus 4. Every time someone gives an example, I, I always think, I'm like, you just gave the ECX example, okay? Of course you did. Um, so we're going to go to a hard one, or what might look like hard. Um, it should be page 26, 22. 18, too. 18 as well. Get married, guys. It helps. Wait, go to, go to 22. Oh, there you go. Oh, no, Malayo's right. Go to 18 again. <laughs> I was looking at these. Okay. Yeah, so I'll, half right, half right, one flesh. All right. So again, so this is a hard passage. So Leviticus 4, it's, Leviticus is all, it's the book of the law. So you'd start with questions like, how does God tell us to deal with our sin problem? What sacrifice is sufficient to atone for our sins? And you'll see this because you're, we'll read the passage. Um, and so then you see here, it says that, let's read Leviticus 4. So this is while you're in study uh, and stand out and write, make notes. Um, or take notes of things that stand out to you, details you find in interesting, words you don't understand, right? So you're just asking them to engage with the passage. And so people are going to write things down, and you should have something written down for yourself. Um, so you see that there's four different contexts for the sin offering. And this is where this is just a tool, right? So if, you, if we read Leviticus 4, um, you'll notice that it says, and when, the, uh, when a soul sins against the Lord, when the congregation sins, when um, the elder sins, um, I don't know, I think when the priest sins. And so there's all these repetitions. It's like, when this happens, then do the sacrifice and so forth. So in, in the sense that this is a tool, you can just say, let me just focus on one of these groups. And you can use that chunk of passage. So don't feel like you're stuck to everything this tool says. Um, read it first and let the spirit lead you to say, okay, I just want to focus on these specific verses. I just want to uh, focus on this specific verse. But what you will see, and even in one of those four uh, chunks, is you'll see that a bullock got brought to the tabernacle. And what a beautiful pictures uh, of G Jesus being brought to the priest. Um, you see that the elders lay hands on the bullock. Elders lay hands or strike Jesus. So you see how really the packet also points you from prophecy to the reality, right? And this is another powerful, powerful part of this tool is that you're taking what the Bible says and showing how it's made real. Um, so let's go to the passage itself. Actually, I have the passage. I'm sorry, go back to the slide. I'm making it work today. Yeah, the slide. Thank you, sir. Awesome. And so one thing I do want to mention, and this is your practical tip four, um, is come to a study full of faith and prayer. This is one thing I dealt with um, just growing in my faith is sometimes you get to passages and you're like, man, I don't know how to see Jesus in anything right now. And like it just, you know, if it's a harder passage, you'll feel this way. But you want to make sure you come to your study full of faith and prayer. Because God will speak, no matter what passage it is. Now let's go to the next slide. Because I want to show you guys what um, something like this would look like for your own study. So you see how I just walked through this myself. I chunked it out in one of those cycles, the four chunks. I chunked it out to the, the one that talks about the congregation of Israel. And so I just, I just went through and picked words. Um, that stuck out to me, uh, sin, hid, commandments, 
Um, and we can just read this. And if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance, the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly. That's interesting too. And they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which should not be done and are guilty when the sin which they have sinned again against it is known, then the congregation shall offer a young bullock. That's interesting, but I'll keep going for the sin and bring him before the tabernacle of the congregation and the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands upon the head of the bullock. Okay, I highlight it because it's happening again before the Lord and the bullock shall be killed before the Lord and the priest that is anointed shall bring of the bullock's blood to the tabernacle of the congregation and the priest shall dip his finger in some of the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord, even before the veil. And he shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord, that is in the tabernacle of the congregation. I should have highlighted that too. That's interesting. And shall pour out all the blood, blood again, at the bottom of the altar and burnt offering, which is of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall take all his fat from him and burn it upon the altar. And he shall do with the bullock as he did with the bullock. Uh, for a sin offering, so shall uh, he do with this. And the priest shall make an atonement for them, and it shall be forgiven them. Well, cool. So the first thing, right, you're just reading it. You're trying to understand what the Bible says. You would have your questions all over here. But really, it's just go through here and, and highlight anything that sticks out, just like this. Um, the helpful thing about this is that repetition does catch people's eyes. So when I see blood, uh, I think I saw blood. How many times does this count? Whoever got it first, yell it out. Okay, five. I trust you. Uh, what about sin? I know that was one of the first one. Sin, one, two, three, four. Four. Five. Nice. Okay. So quickly for yourself, I would then think, okay, something, well, and there's some type of relationship between blood and sin, right? And very specifically, this is how God asks, and like from comprehension, I understand that the blood of the bullock is the atonement for the, uh, for the sin offering. So that's my comprehension of it right now. But it, real quickly, pull out your concordance. And now we can go back. Oh, we are in the slides. Perfect. So, and another thing I want to point out, when you get to a passage like this, don't expect a lot of lost people to just jump in. <laughs> they just don't know. Like, this is a hard passage, even for believers, right? So, like, so don't expect that they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, I think this. Like, they won't have that, but because they just don't know. So, let's look at um, the word blood and the word sin. Why not? So, let's go to the next slide. Let's go back one slide. <laughs> Not yet. Actually, let's go to the next slide. Because um, as you guys look that up, you'll see a relationship. But here's the point I want to make, is that you don't always need to have a full theological response. Uh, and this is something that um, is good. You want to be a workman. You want to be steadied up. You want to have the cross-references and your own understanding of the word. But don't feel like you need to be every area covered, every everything noted in your mind. The Bible is a deep book, um, and God gives you what he, what he gives you for the time you need it. Uh, but you do always want to affirm biblical principles. So I say this because, man, I wish, I wish I, I would have opened my Bible up more when I was younger. That's just something I wish I, I would have done. You know, I was always trying to understand and and get deeper understanding when the lost had no understanding. So as long as you keep biblical principles, the right type, the right doctrine, you're good to go. So at this point, you're looking through these um, two words. And this is just something I quickly did. Let's see if it's on the next slide. Awesome. So I'm just, I'm, this is a summary. But from the summary, I see that one of the, the mentions is Matthew 26, 28. It says that Jesus' blood is a New Testament which is shed for many. Oh, that's, that's interesting because 
it's crazy how just one bullock took the whole sin of the whole congregation, how one died for many. Like, like that's amazing. Like, I'm not even making that up. And I, okay, well, that's weird, but that's awesome, right? Um, innocent blood was sinned against men, uh, was sinned against. You see that with Judas betraying Jesus. Um, God set forth Jesus to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. What a statement. We have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins. It's multiple places. And for it's not, oh man, here, here's the hit, or for it's not possible that the blood of bulls should take away his sins. What a direct relationship to the passage. So you see, I didn't, I just put a biblical steady tool, which is comparing scripture to scripture, right? Not, and, and just from this, this little chunk, although small, I can share how, how forgiveness back in the Old Testament was only temporary. And I see that from my study on blood and sin, right? It's not possible the blood of, a blood of bull should take away sins. And then, and then someone can make the connection. Quentin, praise God for you, brother. He's like, I see Jesus. That's a bullock. Oh, doesn't John 1.31 says that the Lamb of God that shall take away the sins of the world? Oh, so, so the animal sacrifice in the New Testament is Jesus Christ. And man, like, that is so sweet. That is so sweet that the, that the lost could hear that. And like I said earlier, one innocent sacrifice died for many. Another spiritual picture. And you could talk about so many other things. You can talk about the veil, the blood sprinkled on the veil, and that veil will be torn in the New Testament. Man, there's so much scripture that points to Christ. And, and naturally, because this is a curriculum, you're just queuing the person up for the next thing, right? Because the person would naturally question, okay, then how, if Jesus is the bullock, how do we get from the bullock to Jesus? Oh, well, the next uh, Bible study, Quentin, is Isaiah 9-6. And that's where it talks about how God promised his son to be that sacrifice. Quentin's like, let's go. Next week, I'm coming back. He's going to bring, you know, the sweets. Um, and, and so this is the point. This is the point. And here's a practical tip six. Always bring the steady back to the context of the gospel. Always bring the steady back to the context of the gospel. Because you'll get in all these goodies, you'll see the prophecies, and you'll nerd out. Um, but don't get lost in the weeds, right? Keep the main thing the main thing. And so we want to make sure that in Leviticus 4, we, uh, we see that God had a very specific way to make atonement for sin. You can't just come to God the way you think. You can't just have an emotional experience. You can't just feel the way you feel and say, well, God will forgive me. He's just. Man, no, Quentin. Like, dude, I don't know if Quentin saved or lost at this point. I've used him for both. But you can't because the Bible is very specific on how to deal with sin. I'm sorry. That's what the Bible says, right? That's, and that's the point. You always bring it back to the context of the gospel. Any questions so far? Okay. And I know some of this is overwhelming, um, but obviously we've brought it up. There's the Living Faith Bible Institute. Um, so if you need or want to learn uh, how to divide scripture and study doctrine, that's a good place to start. Um, but with this, that concludes our, our thing. And to recap, um, this is a curriculum, not a method. Um, and I, I really, I, I highlight this because the method is discovery Bible method, which is just an exposition of scripture. Like you're just opening the Bible and going wherever you like. But if you want to specifically go from creation to Christ and have a curriculum, it's this, right? It answers those questions. Like, God made us for a purpose. That's why the world's oppressed. You know, that's, and then it moves to the fall where it answers questions like, why can't I just believe what I want to believe? Well, it's not that your sin makes you sinners. You're already a sinner that sins, right? It answers the questions for the lost guys. Um, it answers the questions uh, from law and sacrifice. Am I a good person? And it's like, man, just one quick look at our hearts. We're not, right? One, one quick look at just your own standard of morality. You aren't, if you're a lost person. Then we see sacrifices, the innocent dying for the guilty, right? And then we go to the prophets again to show how it's not on a whim. God had a plan of salvation for you. When you're talking to a lost person, man, 
so many lost people, including myself, felt so targeted by the church. I felt like it was it was just something that was a religious thing. And hey, that's cool your way. I got my way. Thanks. Thanks. Don't, don't, don't try to take me for a fool. It's like, man, what a what a wrong view of God. When really what they need to see is that God had a plan for them to have a relationship with him. A relationship, not a system. And then we get into Jesus and his earthly ministry, right? Who he said and who he said he was. Oh, Jesus is a nice guy, said the lost person. Jesus is a great teacher. Well, the great teacher says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, including you, can come to the Father but by him. Do you think he's a good teacher? Right? It poses that question back to them. And then finally, we finish what we know as a gospel, which answers the question, what must I do to be saved? Um, so guys, I pray this curriculum was edifying for you guys. I hope to hear you guys use it. I better see like selfies uh, next year of like you with the packet <laughs> that's stapled backwards, I think. Um, but do we have any questions before we finish up? Yes. Oh, yeah, the fourth tip. Let me go back there. Come to the study full of faith and prayer. Because that, that's what moves souls. That's good. Like someone who's lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're with a lost person and they'll read it and they'll like understand it, but they're not like, they're not giving anything. They're not making connections. Yeah. How do you like pull them in without just like preaching? Yeah, I think... Um, I think the, the twofold response is one, the point that I just mentioned, faith and prayer. Like you got, we got to be praying for, for the lost. Um, and so continue praying for that person because God has to open their eyes. Um, and I think the second thing is, are they willing to come back? Because sometimes I feel like, um, at, at least for my weakness, I feel like I need to do it right there and then. Like you, you have to receive this. And sometimes they just, they're not ready for that. But if they're willing to come back, then you just build on it. Um, but they're there, right? That's a weird thing. Some people just show up and they listen and they're like, okay. And it just doesn't click and it won't click until 13 weeks in. So Good? All right, guys, thank you for your time and we'll pray us out. Um, Father, I'm just so thankful for your word, God. I'm so thankful for Mission Focus. God, I, I pray... Um, just that our Bible studies would be full of power um, and anointing. Father, I pray that um, creation of Christ would be a tool that would be mightily used, Lord. But I just really want to specifically pray for my brothers and sisters. God, would you give them um, the people in their hometowns to read the Bible with? God, I pray that they thought of a name um, who they will ask when they go back to their city of, of, of do you want to study the Bible with me? Um, so, God, I pray that that name uh, would be something that's uh, the subject of prayer for this week. God, I pray that they would be uh, gentle as doves and wise as serpents as it comes to the gospel. And, God, that you would just give them time in their schedule, that you'd give them favor with the people that they meet, that, um, that they would open the scripture and see Christ for themselves. So, God, I just pray this. Um, I pray for our lunches and safe travels back home, Lord. Um, it's it's sweet to have this fellowship. And God, I just um, thank you for my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.